Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style from a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Yes, here we are, thanking you for being along with us tonight for this very special edition of the Bible Live broadcast. Once more, we're starting at the beginning, at the start of the book. Uh, Yay, that's it, exactly. We've made it around the horn, my friends. Over the last year, we've made our way throughout the entire Bible, from the book of Genesis, which actually the word Genesis means the beginning, to the Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. Now we're beginning once more, ever since 2001. We've been reading through the Bible every year for you here in this great city and across South Texas. So thank you for joining us. Congratulations, you made it. Now let's do it again. Well, have you ever heard of the Four Spiritual Laws? The rather famous booklet has these principles, these statements, just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe around us, So there are spiritual laws that govern, determine our relationship with God. That is the beginning and the explanation that is given for this little booklet which shares the gospel message. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. But there's a problem. The problem is sin. Sin separates us from that relationship with God. But God has made a provision. God has solved that problem and he has made a provision that enables us, even as sinful, fallen, rebellious human beings, a way to be reconciled to him. He has satisfied his holiness and his justice and his righteousness and expressed his love by sending the Messiah. Messiah has come. He has carried out his role. He has completed the task of walking out the perfect life of a human being and becoming the firstborn of a new creation of humanity, the race of the redeemed. And now by faith, as we trust in the finished work of Messiah on our behalf, we too are reborn into the race, into the family of God. And that's an individual choice that we make. And finally, 
There's one final principle I would add. There will be a judgment. There will be a final reckoning, a determination. If you take those spiritual laws, which are really a presentation of the gospel message, that's what we're going to read about tonight in the book of Genesis. It turns out is those are far more profound laws than we know about. They really do represent the laws of God, his intent and purpose in creating the human race. We'll hear all about it. Right now, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment from Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with scoffers. But they delight in doing everything the Lord wants. Day and night they think about His law. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither, and in all they do they prosper. But this is not true of the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. End of reading, Psalm 1. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Got it started beautifully, Psalm 1. We always begin with our wisdom and worship segment. Beautiful passages from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Now, let's prepare our hearts to hear this great passage from Genesis chapter 1. Now, the word Genesis means the beginning. This book was finally written down. It was Moses who wrote the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, written somewhere in the desert during the 40-year wanderings of the people of Israel when they wandered in the desert after leaving Egypt before going into Canaan, into the Promised Land. Moses, moved and stirred by the Spirit of God, inspired, God directed him and guided him, probably wrote from a compilation of the oral tradition the story of creation that had been passed down through generation after generation through individuals. Since creation, through the time of the judgment of the world, then Noah and his family, this story had been passed, this version of the beginnings. Moses then finally took and recorded it for us. Now, how it happened and how God did it, frankly, I have no problem myself just taking it straight at its face value. There is no way we're going to understand anyway, folks. Nobody was there. Even Moses wasn't there. This is the story that came down. Even our most advanced scientists, physicists, and others, they're not going to comprehend this. This is the God of the universe. This is outside of the scientific realm. This is outside of the natural realm. Supernatural. The God of the universe spoke this world into existence. What that looks like, what that means, I don't know, and you don't know, and nobody knows. You're going to either accept that God created this world with a purpose and an intent, or you're going to reject it. That's the privilege God himself has given you. God did it, and he did it with a purpose. He created a race of intelligent, 
<laughs> relatively intelligent, <laughs> I guess, uh, varying levels, I guess, but sentient and volitional creatures that have a will, have potential of making a decision about what they desire and want, and he created this race so that he could draw out a people for himself. And tonight we're reading about how it all started. We begin to see that process at work. Tonight, the book of Genesis on the Bible Life. Genesis 1-1 through 426. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was empty, a formless mass cloaked in darkness, and the Spirit of God was hovering over its surface. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Together these made up one day. And God said, Let there be space between the waters to separate water from water. And so it was. God made this space to separate the waters above from the waters below. And God called the space sky. This happened on the second day. And God said, Let the waters beneath the sky be gathered into one place, so dry ground may appear. And so it was. God named the dry ground land, and the water seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land burst forth with every sort of grass and seed-bearing plant, and let there be trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. The seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And so it was. The land was filled with seed-bearing plants and trees, and their seeds produced plants and trees of like kind. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the third day. And God said, Let bright lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. They will be signs to mark off the seasons, the days, and the years. Let their light shine down upon the earth. And so it was. For God made two great lights, the sun and the moon, to shine down upon the earth. The greater one, the sun, presides during the day. The lesser one, the moon, presides through the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the heavens to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters Swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every sort of fish and every kind of bird. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Let the fish multiply and fill the oceans. Let the birds increase and fill the earth. This all happened on the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth every kind of animal livestock, small animals, and wildlife. And so it was. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to reproduce more of its own kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make people in our image, to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals, and small animals. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and told them, Multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be masters over the fish and birds and all the animals. And God said, Look, I have given you the seed-bearing plants throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. 
And I have given all the grasses and other green plants to the animals and birds for their food. And so it was. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was excellent in every way. This all happened on the sixth day. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 2. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, there were no plants or grain growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not sent any rain, and no one was there to cultivate the soil. But water came up out of the ground and watered all the land. And the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. And the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had created. And the Lord God planted all sorts of trees in the garden, beautiful trees that produced delicious fruit. At the center of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. One of these branches is the Pishon, which flows around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic rosin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch is the Gihon, which flows around the entire land of Cush. The third branch is the Tigris, which flows to the east of Asher. The fourth branch is the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and care for it. But the Lord God gave him this warning. You may freely eat any fruit in the garden except fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. So the Lord God formed from the soil every kind of animal and bird. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And Adam chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, birds, and wild animals. But still there was no companion suitable for him. So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the place from which he had taken it. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib and brought her to Adam. At last, Adam exclaimed, She is part of my own flesh and bone. She will be called woman because she was taken out of a man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now although Adam and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt any shame. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures the Lord God had made. Really? he asked the woman. Did God really say you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. The woman was convinced. 
The fruit looked so fresh and delicious, and it would make her so wise. So she ate some of the fruit. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Then he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover themselves. Toward evening, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called to Adam, Where are you? He replied, I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid, because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten the fruit I commanded you not to eat? Yes, Adam admitted, but it was the woman you gave me who brought me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, How could you do such a thing? The serpent tricked me, she replied. That's why I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you will be punished. You are singled out from all the domestic and wild animals of the whole earth to be cursed. You will grovel in the dust as long as you live, crawling along on your belly. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies, and your offspring and her offspring will be enemies. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, You will bear children with intense pain and suffering, and though your desire will be for your husband, he will be your master. And to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit I told you not to eat, I have placed a curse on the ground. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. All your life you will sweat to produce food until your dying day. Then you will return to the ground from which you came. For you were made from dust, and to the dust you will return. Then Adam named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all people everywhere. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, The people have become as we are, knowing everything, both good and evil. What if they eat of the fruit of the tree of life? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished Adam and his wife from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After banishing them from the garden, the Lord God stationed mighty angelic beings to the east of Eden, and a flaming sword flashed back and forth, guarding the way to the tree of life. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 4. Now Adam slept with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When the time came, she gave birth to Cain, and she said, With the Lord's help, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to a second son and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain was a farmer. At harvest time, Cain brought to the Lord a gift of his farm produce, while Abel brought several choice lambs from the best of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his offering, but he did not accept Cain and his offering. This made Cain very angry and dejected. Why are you so angry? the Lord asked him. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you respond in the right way. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you, and you must subdue it. Later, Cain suggested to his brother Abel, Let's go out into the fields. And while they were there, Cain attacked and killed his brother. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? 
I don't know, Kane retorted. Am I supposed to keep track of him wherever he goes? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You are hereby banished from the ground you have defiled with your brother's blood. No longer will it yield abundant crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless fugitive on the earth, constantly wandering from place to place. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from my land and from your presence. You have made me a wandering fugitive. All who see me will try to kill me. The Lord replied, They will not kill you, for I will give seven times your punishment to anyone who does. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Then Cain's wife became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and they named him Enoch. When Cain founded a city, he named it Enoch after his son. Enoch was the father of Erod. Erod was the father of Mehujael. Mehujael was the father of Methushael. Methushael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, Adah and Zillah. Adah gave birth to a baby named Jabal. He became the first of the herdsmen who live in tents. His brother's name was Jubal, the first musician, the inventor of the harp and flute. To Lamech's other wife, Zillah, was born Tubal Cain. He was the first to work with metal, forging instruments of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain had a sister named Naamah. One day, Lamech said to Adah and Zillah, Listen to me, my wives. I have killed a youth who attacked and wounded me. If anyone who kills Cain is to be punished seven times, anyone who takes revenge against me will be punished seventy-seven times. Adam slept with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth, for she said, God has granted me another son in place of Abel, the one Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. It was during his lifetime that people first began to worship the Lord. End of reading Genesis 1-1 through 4-26. I believe that a You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Wow, that's what we wanted to get started with tonight. A little bit of enthusiasm about this amazing passage. The incredibly simple, straightforward story. And yet, let me tell you about this Bible story. It plausibly, clearly explains our existence. The God of the universe can do this. To believe that this universe just happened or evolved in the first place breaks fundamental scientific laws. So this is outside the categories of science. Now, not only does the Bible story explain our existence, it also explains human experience. It explains why we are like we are, why we are so uniquely like we are as human beings. We are, without a doubt, the most interesting beings on this planet, as far as Soapy Dollar is concerned particularly because of that wonderful passage, we are created in the image of our Maker. 
Notice that in verse, uh, what is it, chapter 1, uh, verse 26. He said, let us create man in our image. Is that the royal we, the we of kings that traditionally use the plural form in speaking of themselves? Or is that a conversation in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the names we've come to know? We are told and understand from the Bible that the God we serve and worship is truly one God, without a doubt, one God. We are not polytheists. They're not multiple gods, one God, and yet we are told that there are three distinct persons involved in the Godhead. These three distinct persons exist in a relational miracle, a social miracle. See, God didn't create human beings because he was lonely and had to have somebody. The three distinct persons have an eternal relationship, a perfect relationship, perfectly one, total harmony with one another in their love for each other, their character, their purpose and intent and in their action. So it's not strange at all that you see all the three persons of the Trinity involved in the creation. Let us create, he says. A wonderful pastor here in South Texas, Dr. Jack Taylor, many years ago, was pastor of First Baptist Church Castle Hills right here in San Antonio, wrote a book called The Hallelujah Factor. The book was on the theme of how we were created to praise and worship our great and wonderful God. One of his thoughts is that Lucifer, the archangel that fell out of the relationship with God, was cast to the earth from God's presence with the third of the angels that followed him, now being Satan and the demons, that the human race may have been created with the idea of an object lesson to Satan, doing what Satan could not do. We're denying ourselves and choosing him. Satan was evidently unwilling to subordinate himself. He said, I will ascend to the mountain. I will sit on the throne. I will be like the Most High. Perhaps we, the redeemed, are replacing Lucifer and his demon horde, replacing them perhaps in the role of worshipers around the throne of God. Besides the big scheme of things, we see in the book of Genesis the beginning of so many things. The first marriage, the first children, the first brothers, Cain and Abel, the first murder. So many things are the first time. And it's interesting to take note of those as we go through the book of Genesis. These two passages go together so beautifully. You see right from the beginning here, called the original sin, the fall of man, there in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, the fall of man into sin. Remember that all of us, you and me, wherever you are tonight, every human being on planet Earth, we were all in Adam and Eve. Genetically, the potential for the entire human race, the genetic potential for the entire human race was in Adam and Eve. You were not a pre-existent spirit. We were created in them, in Adam and Eve, and because of that, we all fell under the consequences of their sin and judgment, separated from God, but God made a provision. Just as he made skins to cover their sins, he made a provision for ours. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations and materials purchases at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Don't forget, 
Join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. 